We should be live. Yay! This is the audio podcast, episode 87. Scott Hewitt, back once more, joined this week by... Samuel Freeman, hello! And Adam Yunch, hello! I've got to say, Scott Hewitt, your face does look very spiral-like today, and very static. Very Um, logo-like. Have you been okay in the last week? You know, you haven't had any kind of uh, transferal type uh, situations happening where you've gone to another dimension and come back? Not, not that I'm aware of. Um, for the audio listeners, this is not a concern in any way whatsoever, but for the Google Plus people and YouTubers, you will notice that I have been replaced by a logo because uh, G Plus just failed absolutely on us today. It took us 15 minutes to get it started, and my picture, it never found my webcam, even though it was plugged in exactly as it was the week before and as I was using it yesterday. So, bit of a fail there. If you want to follow this week's show notes, though, at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 87. Yeah. Retro Apple. <laughs> Retro Apple for more than one reason. Um, it's quite an old school feeling show because lots of the stuff that's in the news has been in the news in the past, sort of. And first up on that is the Harrison Mixbus, which is currently on promotion. Yeah, so we, we don't tend to cover people's promotions, though we do every now and again. And when they're, when they're something we've talked about on the show, and it's a really good deal, I think it's worth mentioning. So uh, Harrison Audio are running a promotion on Mixbus, uh, which is discounted into June the 12th to $39. Which is down from 200 and something dollars. So that's a fairly hefty discount. Yeah. So we, we talked about Mixbus more in show 46, but essentially it's a, it's a layer on top of Vardor which um, allows you to use kind of emulation, the emulation of the Harrison kind of mixers. Mixers. It's cool. <laughs> there you go. Um, the conspiracy theorist amongst me was uh, immediately drawn to the fact that it says you get free upgrade, um, free upgrade support through 2.x, so I was immediately thinking, hmm, I wonder if that means there's a version 3 coming soon. <laughs> That's not really a conspiracy theory, though, is it? Maybe not. That's more just a thinking ahead type situation. It took me quite a while to get the head around the name of the promotion, the, the Don't Crack promotion. It took me a long time to get that. They're talking about not using crack software, I think. Yeah. Have, maybe, have, maybe, were you reading into that, that they'd had a lot of people cracking their software and this was the reason why they decided to... To, to release it on this price then? Was that, your, was that what you're suggesting? Eventually that was the conclusion I got to and decided to stop trying to think about it too much. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, the other way of, of dealing with it is not thinking about it at all, like uh, like I did. Well, <laughs> shall we um, move on to the first Apple bit in that case? Yes. Fair enough. Onwards to greatness. Because it seems like maybe Apple haven't thought... Of course they've thought through this. So basically iRadio, um, which is Apple's answer to Spotify or to this new Google Music Access thingy? Well, this is something that's rumoured to be possibly going to be announced next week at the developers' conference thing. Um, So this is a New York Times article that we've linked to. Um, But yeah, what you said is what is suggested will happen. I read today um, from Ars Technica that, or from Apple Insider, I can't remember which, that they they are rumoured to have signed up with Warner 
for Warner's music uh, for the service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that definitely... It, it seemed to be the impression is that this is something they're trying to do and they're starting to kind of... that They're starting to kind of deliver on with a... But I think they're facing a lot of difficulties because as I kind of alluded to with the... You know, at the, at the bottom of our little link here, just, just pointed out the fact that, you know, Spotify and, you know, Last FM and all the rest all the rest of those people aren't actually making any significant amount of money for anybody, <coughs> including themselves. And therefore, is it actually, it, is this a good idea? I can understand why Apple might feel that iTunes is under pressure from the streaming services, but at the same point, Apple, you know, iTunes is making a lot more money than any of the streaming services currently are. How, how are they going to integrate it in with their streaming? You know, well, how are they going to integrate it in? Because it'd be a disaster for people to start streaming it rather than buy it from Apple. Yeah, and the, the other thing that I thought, earlier about this 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 idea or this thing apple are going into this market i wonder if apple like if they join an already mature market they don't tend to do very well i'm not sure if i've really thought through it enough to really be sure about that but for example the iphone redefines the redefines the smartphone and it really was this mix of things that nothing else was like and its performance was way above anything else that was available at the time. Uh, same with the iPad, first tablet um, that was actually properly usable. But then things like like iCloud, you know, iCloud, it's not that great, is it? And Dropbox were already there doing the service better. Hmm. I wonder if that's what's going to happen here, if Apple are going to jump into this marketplace. And I just don't see anyone... I mean, who's going to use it? Who who will actually go into into search through I, Apple's thing and, and do that? If they've got Spotify already, they'll use Spotify because they've already got it set up, you know? Perhaps though this could this could be integrated into iTunes though, so it could it could be wrapped up wrapped up in there some sort of thing like rather than buying the track from iTunes, you you stream it, and when you you know, and and they do some sort of guarantee which says that if you stream the track so many times that you would have been you would be better off buying it, then you just automatically become the owner of the track. But if you just want to listen to this track two or three times, rather than paying you know. 99 cents or you know a pound 19 or whatever for the track you just pay a cent and they kind of do that sort of billing system so it means that you know you you could say to people look it'll probably only cost you a couple of you know maybe so five pounds on, a month to, stream, to use the streaming service. well no gonna... i'm not I'm, I'm just i'm just is that what you here. think I'm, I'm i'm just guessing how this is going how this is going to work i, I think that work. would I, I don't know man I, that sounds I, like I a, bit, it... a bizarre way of of working but yeah. Well, I I think you're right when saying that Apple are late to the game here, but I think the other risk for Apple is the fact that, you know, iTunes is a profitable thing, and all, you know, the main thing that's going to happen here is they're probably going to cannibalize people who would have bought tracks on iTunes. So they're going to need mm. a way of monetizing, to, you know, equivalently, aren't they? They're, I mean, that's yeah. the thing there. I, oh, I'm, right, just, so. I'm just not sure, because I also... Think back to what was their, oh, it's called Ping, wasn't it? Their music social network, which they've shut down already. Yes. Because nobody used it. I mean, this is a different thing, but 
I, I just don't think people just go and discover music in iTunes. iTunes is a place where your music is already. You've either bought it from the iTunes store and you've gone to the iTunes store specifically to buy it, yeah. or it's something where your music is and you want to go and listen to it. It's not a place where you don't hang out in iTunes. It's just you just don't do it. But it's possible that I that the iRadio would be not not in iSide iTunes as a separate thing. So on your iPhone, it's a separate button. On your Mac, it's a separate thing. And you know, they, maybe they're going to use it. Like I'm sure it will have links to the iTunes store and everything. But maybe they'll use it for more like curated things. So playlists, so so they can so that the record companies can through iRadio push what they want to push. But I don't know if people are going to be listening to it. So instead of having to go and look for music, being able to just say, oh, I like this type of music or having all of those kind of automatic generation that, where it looks at what you like and creates similar things. Oh, that's, re that's really interesting. So the idea that in iTunes you could make a playlist, you're, you, you make a playlist yourself, and then you share that playlist with, fr with some friends, and your friends are allowed to stream that playlist like a limited number of times, once or twice. But can't you do that in Spotify? And can't you do that in uh, in Last FM? Oh, yeah. But you know, what I mean, I'm saying I, these are. I, I see that as a way of kind of driving. I, I see that as a kind of way that streaming service would integrate into the integrate alongside iTunes on an app with you know from an Apple point of view. I just, I just, I just wonder if the the iTunes name and the idea of iTunes will just be like people won't think to go there for that because that's not what iTunes is for. Hmm. So yeah, maybe they'll break it out, maybe they'll do something else. Anyway, I, shall I think we find out next week? Let's we find out next week because we are really just speculating on speculation. So I think we all agreed that iRadio <laughs> is a much better late much better name than Google, Access to All Areas, Music, Super Duper, Thingamibob Store. Um I disagree. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a derivative name, and I think Apple one day will absolutely rue starting this I thing. Uh, everything that they ever might create, people are going to call it I something, and they're going to be like, oh, no, I don't, we don't want it to be called that anymore, but it's too late. It's already attached. I, I, we could end up with I eyes. I mean, cool. I, I wrote someone already must have created something called I radio. There's just absolutely no way that it's free. Um, and anyway, we've talked too so much about on. this. Let's move on. A, a story about Reason 7. I didn't put it here, though, but Retro RE. Well, Sam must have um, put it here. Yep. Yeah, I did. Um, I got the newsletter. Um, so there's been an update to their PX7 FM synthesizer, bringing sounds of the 80s and the DX-type FM synthesis stuff into yeah. Reason Rack. So I think that's been available for a while, but the thing that caught my eye on that the most was that there's an online DX7 patch converter. So you can, if you've got the .sys files or whatever the extension is, um, if you happen to have any of them, you, you can drag and drop them onto here and get your sounds in there. Anyway. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> and the more substantial thing, which is perhaps not new this week, although that one was, um, could have been mentioned when we talked about Reason 7 being released, because this is the Audiomatic rack extension that comes free with Reason 7, but is also available for um, 6.5. It's described as a psychoacoustic future retro effect inspired by the photo apps on your phone. <sighs> Ooh. Ooh. Yep. So... <laughs> 
at first, I yeah, I saw this in the blurb when before Reason Seven was announced, and I thought, you know, like that just doesn't sound very interesting at all. But the theory behind it, from their point of view, is interesting. I suppose it's just got sixteen different presets, and yeah, they're going on the theory that often people just want to press a button and get a result. And yeah, there's a link. There's a link in the text to a video. Um, from them describing it, I've um, the link goes to one minute twenty seven in to skip the the intro. Um, but yeah, it's entertaining, and I just I just love how Rebelhead don't take themselves too seriously. I think it's great. Awesome stuff, cool. Fun like music it. making. Yep. That that is cool about Propelhead, isn't it? It's something I like about them too. Okay, tenuous link. So from iPhoney type things to um, the iRig. The IK Multimedia have announced a, their new peripheral thing for plugging guitars and basses into your iPhone, iPad, or Mac. So it's got adapters for USB, the 30-pin, or the Lightning. Awesome. Cool. So it's got a separate preamp and works 30-pin Lightning and has a 24-bit and long to digital converter inside it. I probably wouldn't have bothered putting that in the news, except for the fact that there's also been an update to the Amplitube app, which... Now, in, which has introduced the studio feature, um, bringing multi-track timeline editing and recording into their guitar processing thing, which, cool. yeah, I don't know. I thought that was quite a significant step within that piece of software, which previously was just, you know, plug in and play with it, um, whereas now you can do tracking on it. Mm-hmm. No. In a similar vein, uh, Steinberg have updated the uh, iOS app Cubasis to version 1.4. With a MIDI clock and three support, and some you know some of the typical recording modes have been added: punch in, punch out, pre-roll, count in, and a couple of new tools in it as well. I'm I'm I have to be honest, I'm still not in any way convinced about using an iPad for these kind of creative, active you know th- these things. I, I don't look at my iPad and think, oh, I'm going to go and record music, record music for you. I just don't trust the device that. that I, I think that the part of it. The amplitude thing makes more sense because that's like a, a scratch pad, and having multiple tracks is useful if you're going to try and like generate ideas. But uh, I'm—I I think I'm of a similar opinion to you. I, I don't think it's a an environment that you could really do the full job if you wanted to completely create your music and then release it. I. You could use an iPad for parts of it, but I don't think the the final part. I don't think would be it'd be a challenge, but yeah. I don't think it's. I, I I find these things just not precise enough. Well, that's why them. I think that the Cubasis thing is more significant in that sense as a, as like a scratch pad, like a note thing for just getting down ideas if you're out and about, being able to just record things on the fly, and then it in a format which if you're a Cubase user you can then export it straight from Cubasis with all of the mix settings or whatever you've got, all of the tracks can be put straight onto your computer and then worked up properly with the full power of the processing of the processor of your computer afterwards. The full power! Yes, that that makes sense too because there must be a way of opening the Cubasis file. There is my... Yeah, and you can you can import it into uh, into Cubase, yeah. But my my concern is more about the the device and the kind of supporting 
the supporting kind of systems that are on the side of that. Like, this will sound really, really strange, maybe as a as a kind of statement, but I'm always con I'm I'm a little bit concerned about if you record, say, assets to this thing, assets to your iPad through one of these things. How do you get all the kind of duplicate copies of it and all the backups of it done in the kind of quick and you know quick efficient way that we're used to working with other you know with other systems like if I go somewhere I'll quite happily go record with my laptop plugged into a set of interfaces and once I'm finished recording I'll probably put them onto a memory stick put them onto a second hard drive you know head and head home with them like that three different copies of that information in three different you know three different places and and that's fine but with this with these with you know with an iPad I, I don't see how you move the information quickly to other kind of places and added to that you know I people tend to treat their iPads with a fairly you know, in my opinion, with quite a high amount of disrespect, you know, I throw it in my bag. I don't tend to worry too much about it getting broken because it's it's very resilient. But I'm acutely aware of the fact that if it did get broken, I'd have no chance of getting anything off it unless Apple were willing to help me out. And I suspect that's probably expensive if they're even willing to do it at all. Well, I guess a lot of these must have like Dropbox support and such, so you can just save it up to Dropbox. Maybe. I don't Yep, I worry. I'm I mean, of course, that's the same with anything that you do on that. So, that's just. Uh, well, that's what I mean. That that's that's where my con. That's my my big kind of fundamental concern, which disinterests me from working, working with the even exploring working with these things in this way is that is that kind of thing. Because, yeah, I can understand you saying, "Oh, well, you can put it on a Dropbox, or it could go up into you know iCloud, or you know any of those kind of systems." But that requires you to have, you know, a a internet connection which can support that amount of bandwidth. For that to be a viable option, and well, there's so lots of scenarios I mean, where that wouldn't be the case. You, you wanting to save it to a memory stick requires you to have a memory stick and have to plug it in and do something. You know, what's the difference? But that's, uh, well, the, but the difference being that that's something that I can control directly. You, you yeah, know but I mean? you can control having an internet connection directly. No, I'm not. You can sure go and make that. sure you have an internet connection and then back up. Perhaps, but I, I don't you might think... forget your USB stick. You might leave it. Uh, you might leave it on the train. You know. Oh, yeah, but these are. But the point I want here is is not a, n not the failings of the user, but more the kind of fundamental things that you can't do on the device. So yeah, there's lot there's lots of ways that I can stuff up what I'm doing to the point where I nullify the benefits of doing it on a on a laptop rather than an iPad. I would concede that point, but. Still, there's no fundamental way of doing that on an on an iPad. You can't you, you can't like make the recording and then produce multiple backups of it immediately, you know, very quickly in different physical forms to be able to take them somewhere else quickly. I have a solution for you. Okay, take your laptop with you as well. There we go. <laughs> but things then the Cubasis does allow other things that are not possible to happen. So it supports the um, audio bus format or whatever. Yeah, it supports yeah. audio bus. So there's lots and lots of synths and things out there that also use that, which can be used as plugins within there. Or, or just if you're messing around playing them with sounds, you can get the audio out of that into a into a saveable format, which can be then worked further with, which is perhaps not possible within the app itself. So it is expanding the possibilities of what is possible with the with the iPad inside that little box. It's not trying to replace other boxes. Yeah. I mean, oh, no, we, all, we all agree that you're going to need a computer, like a proper computer at some point, or a proper mixing system at some point, because 
you just wouldn't be able to do the whole thing unless it was really simple really simple I don't think you could do the whole thing on there does does anybody who has an iPad not have a computer to go with it well probably not any music people like all mu- all music dudes will have a laptop I guess but hey I don't know I'm just saying that I haven't gone and checked anyway. I, 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 I think you're right and see my, my point would be that if you're if you're kind of starting out and you're wanting to do, you know, do some production work or doing some recording work, I, I don't think an iPad-based solution is the right choice at all. You know, you need a laptop anyway, and you might as well spend the money you were going to spend on an iPad on a good, you know, on a good quality mic, on a good quality preamp, on a good quality audio interface. All of those things would be much more valuable to purchase than buying an iPad. That, yeah, that but I think the, the other half to what you're saying there is, like, you wouldn't buy an iPad to do music. You buy an iPad to buy an iPad, and the fact that you can do music on it as well is a really cool thing. So there you go. If you're buying, if you're going to buy yourself a computer system for music, you'll go and do that. You'll go and buy a proper laptop. There you go. Yes. <sighs> Top tip from the audio podcast, and remember, you can follow the audio podcast on Twitter at the audio podcast, and you can also go to the website, which is uh, the audio podcast UK, where you can check out all our notes from this show, previous shows, and uh, well, there's probably a whole host of other things you can do there. Probably not. Uh, you can't go swimming there. Though. There is something you can't do anymore, though. Oh. Oh. That's not a good thing to, to put in the show. No, no, it? no, it's fine. It, it just seemed an appropriate <laughs> point to mention it. So in case there were very few people doing this, but there were a few people doing this, but we stopped adding a MP3 player uh, of the audio on the, on, the, on, the site, on the site now. So you can still listen to the show on the top right-hand corner, but at the top of every show page, there used to be an MP3 link, which would allow you to play it in the browser. And we, we stopped. I've stopped doing that now just because it was getting, it was a little bit of a hassle keeping it going. There weren't many people actually using it. And actually, to be honest, we'd much rather that you subscribe to the MP3 feed and then you get it immediately into into your player anyway. So we've kind of dropped that bit. So you can watch it on video, but that MP3 playing link has disappeared off the top of the show notes. So if, if you want, you can just hit play in the top right corner though, and that works better anyway. But you know, Or you can subscribe it. through um, like iTunes and stuff. Or you can check us out on YouTube. Mm. It's pretty cool. Anyway, I, I hear something distant off in the background. It sounds like a creaking old boat sailing across rocky, rocky seas. There appear to be some pirates on board. Oh no, what can this mean? Plunder! So uh, I, I'll go first here. Uh, creating Sound has just started a new series about DSP processing. Um, it's OSX focused, but it does have, you know, the principles do kind of cross over. Um, all of the example code they're working with is available as a GitHub repo, and it started today and is running for the next couple of weeks. Okay, so, so you, what, what kind of about code are we talking now? Are we talking like uh, audio unit C, C++ type stuff? Yep. Okay. And and the first example started with building a delay. Oh. So I thought that was pretty cool, very accessible. So you know, and if you've got a bit of a summer holiday coming up, maybe something worth having a look at as well in your free time. <laughs> Somebody else go next. Okay. Okay. Can I hold on? Can I throw something in which isn't in the notes? Yes. 
Okay. Um, so yesterday, uh, this is a very interesting thing. It's probably been done by a few others before, but it's the first time I've taken part in such a thing. Um, Boards of Canada are releasing their new album, and they put a live stream of it up on YouTube. I think probably using the same mechanism that we use for live broadcast of the audio podcast. Um, but this is like pre-release. And uh, I just thought I'd mention it as, a, as, as actually a really cool kind of... I hadn't thought about the medium. I thought I'd give it a try. But it's actually really cool. It's like going to the cinema in your house. <laughs> you know that what you're listening to isn't something that you can just go and repeat again. Not straight away anyway. It's like a live performance of a, of an album. And it was kind of special. I was kind of excited by it. And uh, YouTube provides you know all the back end all the infrastructure you require to to do such a thing so yeah i thought i'd uh, i'd throw that in i think that was pretty cool did you guys happen to listen to it um i came across someone linking to it but i didn't quite grab what was going on i didn't pay much attention but yeah i really i appreciate these telematic and live on the internet things listening to live music when you're not at the venue is it it is different it does feel different to just listening to recorded music but this was kind of because this wasn't live music. This was just a, an album. It was kind of that's why I say it's more like cinema than it is like hearing a live concert live, uh, but over the internet. It's a slightly different kind of take on it. But I really enjoyed it, and actually the album is very good as well. So there you go. If you if you're a Border Canada fan, you're gonna like this album. Awesome stuff. There you go. Very cool. Okay, so let's wrap up a an overly Apple heavy. I was going to say let's do no Apple stuff next week, but it's that developer thing, so we're not going to be able to get away with that. Um, <laughs> it's going to be new MacBooks, iRadio. Oh my god! Anyway, that, but right now we're plundering thirty plus OS X power user shortcuts. Um, yeah, this is an over on Audio Geek Zine, and yeah, I flicked through it. I'm an OS X user, and one or two things that I wasn't aware of. Well, I think. Yeah. The, the, the really cool ones, though, which I've put into our show notes from the Audio Geek Design blog, are the hidden audio controls. So these are all the, the quick ways of working with, um, working with the audio interface inside OS X. So you can do things like, did you know that if you do Alt and click on the volume control, it brings up the input-output options? You, you mean... Yes, I did discover that accidentally, yep. And but that, that Alt is cool. and Shift gives you finer resolution on the volume control, we've talked about that one before. Yeah, I use that. Yep. And Alt in any volume button will open the sound preferences. Very good. No, um, uh, I, I, they're really useful. I'm never going to remember these. Well, that's why to... we've put them on the in the show notes, Adam. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Because I go to the show notes every time I think, oh yeah, I, I need to change my volume. I'm going to go to the audiopodcast.co.uk forward slash voice slash eighty seven to look at the show notes for the show. There is a permalink which will take you directly to the show notes, but that's a <laughs> that post, but that's a lot longer to type, so I don't think that's of any benefit. These are cool. These are cool because I didn't know about these, and uh, there are sometimes. Oh, ah, oh, I thought of something. Every once in a while, my the the onboard sound card on my Mac changes, like the settings change, particularly the left right balance. It goes to one side a little bit, and I think maybe what I've done is I've accidentally hit one of these um, 
hidden audio controls because I don't think it's a bug. It's been around for so long. I don't think it's a bug, but I think maybe I've hit one of these controls and it's and it's changed. I don't know why anyone would want to change the the left right balance using a key command, but I don't know. Was there one like that on the main list? There, there isn't one like that on the main list. So maybe. I wonder if that sounds more like a bug in a third-party software, something because all those things are accessible through APIs. So maybe uh, I guess. Is but it only happens there. like it happens maybe once every year to me, mm. and I get very confused. And I remember, oh yeah, you just have to put the balance back in the middle. Anyway, so yeah. I didn't know if that was related to that. My top tip when it comes to audio, you know, sounds the sound system settings on RSX, though, is just to turn off all of the system sounds. In the options, that's uh, do it on any operating system. <laughs> yes, turn off all the system sounds, and you'll be much better off for the future. And ignore all the warnings on? about make sure yeah power saving. Anyway, I could go on about this. Yeah. Let's not do that. Let Let's move on. So our, our final item. This is actually uh, part of the beauties of our current system. This is actually quite old. This is from 2012, uh, StereoLux. But this is the history of patching by Miller Puckett. It's not that old. 2012. It's only last year. It's only a year old, I think. It is June now, which is, you know, kind of scary. <laughs> we are now <laughs> halfway through that year. Um, well, not quite, is it? Sorry, so, I, uh, I haven't spotted this one. I haven't scrolled down far enough, so... <laughs> well, the, the really discerning and enthusiastic audio podcast follower will have actually spotted this on the, um, on the blog last year. But th this was an item of plunder that never made it onto a show. So I thought it could uh, be included today. So hence I did that. Yeah, we're kind of doing the catch up from. Um... No, it just just happens every now and again. Something fails to hit a plunder item and never gets put back in. So. Yeah. You see, so there's more. There's more to the audio podcast than just the show. <laughs> Not really. Yes, there are three, <laughs> three handsome faces, um, but they're not this time. Only two handsome faces, and um, mine. Now, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, so, so I, I believe we've reached the end of this week's audio podcast. I, I think I think you are right, Adam. We, we have indeed made it to the end. We'll be back next week. Are we? Do we know when we're back next week? No. No. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back next week then. Monday or Tuesday? Does anybody have a preference? <sighs> we will establish that amongst ourselves, but the audio podcast will return next week. This has been show 87, Retro Apple. We never said the date, you know. It's the what, 4th of June, 2012. 4th of June, yeah. 2013. <laughs> there we go. I've been here. I hope you've enjoyed the show a lot. I've been joined by... Samuel Freeman, that's me, goodbye. And as always, Adam Yatch.